Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 3rd is Ezekiel chapters 22 and 23. We're going to begin today talking about judging. It's a hot-button topic. We've been told by people within the church and without, doesn't the Bible say don't judge? How dare you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong? Chapter 22, the word of Yahweh came to Ezekiel, as for you, son of man, will you pass judgment? Will you pass judgment against the city of blood? How horrible that the city of Jerusalem has been referred to by God as the city of blood because of the sin, the depravity, the wickedness of the people there, from the least of them to the greatest. Notwithstanding, there were a few righteous, I'm sure, but the majority were even sacrificing their children, burning their children, their babies. It was a horrid place because of the actions of the people. Which of you in the grocery store when you see a toddler running, screaming, grabbing things and the parent standing idly by maybe scrolling on their phone or responding to a message and ignoring their child, which of you does not judge them in your heart? It's human nature. God put it there. We are to look at what is right and what is wrong, and our hearts cry out for the right thing. It's natural. But what does the Bible say about judging? Well, it says a lot of things. Jesus said, don't judge lest you yourselves be judged. With the same measure you use... It will be measured unto you. In other words, don't be a hypocrite. The verse right before that, and that was in Matthew 7, right before that, at the end of chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, don't worry. Which of you by worrying can add anything to your life? Funny how we skip right over that. It's okay to worry. Oh, I'm just worried about my children. Our culture accepts that. Our society accepts worrying. Oh, but don't judge. Funny how we pick and choose, right? In 1 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul writes of how important it is to judge. We are to judge one another. How would you take somebody to court that you fellowship with, that you go to church with, that you would sit before an unrighteous, corrupt judge who's going to be bought off? Why would you go to court? Don't you know that you are to judge the world? Paul says, don't you know that you are going to judge the angels? Saints, believers, we are to judge the angels. He clarifies what he's saying by saying, we're not to judge the world, but have nothing to do with somebody who is a believer, somebody who claims to be part of the family of God, one of your spiritual brothers or sisters, have nothing to do with somebody who is living in sin, whether it's sexual sin or greed or drunkenness 
or some other lewd activity who claims to be a believer and yet lives like the world have nothing to do with that person. We are to judge the church. We're to judge one another. Paul says, don't even sit down and eat with somebody who is living in sin and yet claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ. He also clarifies again, I'm not talking about the world, he says. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. So we have to be careful. And then put ourselves in Ezekiel's shoes. He's trying to be righteous. He's in this city with all of these people, his people, his nation. And God's saying, will you pass judgment? And it's funny, we don't get an answer. It's implied. I believe he is passing judgment. He's agreeing with the heart of God and saying, relaying God's words. The city that sheds blood. So sad. And it caused me also to think about these people. Why do they sin? Why do we sin? We see this analogy of this beautiful bride that was rescued by God, provided for, given everything she needs, and that she continually presents herself to suitors who are incapable of recognizing her worth, her beauty, and appreciating her for all that she is. And so she's also unwilling and incapable, perhaps, of recognizing her worth and how beautiful and precious and loved she is. It's not like, not unlike us. God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I have chosen you. I love you. For God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him so that when you believe in him you can have everlasting life God did not send his son into the world or to you to condemn you no it's to show his love for you to rescue you to pay a ransom for you our problem friends is that we don't really believe the love of God We want what we want because we think what we want will make us happy. The problem is what we want never leads to our happiness apart from the grace and kindness of God. The gospel is we get to exchange what we want by faith when we trust that what he wants for us is so much better than what we want The challenge is we don't understand his love. He loves us so much that he wants to give us a better set of wants. He wants to bless us with a better imagination of what is possible. 
we don't understand our value and so we seek significance in the lesser things that cannot ever really make us happy. And so God in his mercy and kindness takes away the hope of finding happiness in those lesser things and points us and lovingly corrects us and says, that thing that you're giving yourself to will not make you happy. Learn from your mistakes. It is insane to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. The thing that you have made an idol of, whether it's your relationship with your children or maybe a spouse, a significant other, maybe it's money, maybe it's alcohol or drugs, maybe it's gambling, you're seeking significance in fill in the blank, whatever it is, it could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, it could be a neutral thing, the thing doesn't matter. The problem is you're seeking significance in something. You're trying to find something to make you happy, but it will never be able to fill God's shoes. And it's very interesting because your self-worth is directly linked. Your understanding of your self-worth, your understanding of who you are in relation to your creator In other words, the greater your lack of faith or the smaller your faith, the less you understand self-worth, the less you understand your identity, and the more you seek these other things. In chapter 23, there is this parable of these two immoral sisters, and we're told that they are Samaria and Israel, or Jerusalem, and the second is even worse than the first. This is what the Lord Yahweh says, you will drink your sister's cup, Jerusalem, the same thing that happened to Samaria is going to happen to you. That cup is deep and wide be an object of ridicule and scorn, you'll be filled with drunkenness and grief. It's a cup of devastation and desolation. It seems harsh, but in reality, it's a loving warning. Friends, the thing you want will not lead to your happiness. God is trying to get through to us to say you could have so much more. But the sin nature, the enemy, speaks to our sin nature. He speaks to our flesh. And he seeks to turn these things that we want into idols, good things, healthy relationships, fulfillment, a good job, provision, being able to provide for our families and our loved ones. These are all good things. Even a ministry, going to start a church, whatever it is. 
but the time, the instant that the thing becomes more important than the creator, than the father. We've gotten so far off track. The enemy lures us, but it's never enough. He wants to give us happiness, the promise of happiness, but it's never enough. And so we want more and more and more. And to use the example of alcohol, at first it's one drink or three or a little buzz. And it's just not enough. So how do I recreate that? I have to have more and more and more. And it progresses and eventually it leaves us exposed and used, broken, and then even dead. And the good news is, friends, as we will see in the second half of the book of Ezekiel, the Messiah is coming. He's already come, but he'll be coming again. This time to set everything in order. And for those who submit to him now and endure the process of being changed into his image, for those of us who are willing to lay down our lives and pick up our crosses and follow him, he will give the opportunity to reign with him in the coming time of his future kingdom here on earth. And he's so humble that he even allows us the privilege of partnering with him to advance his kingdom here on earth. The gospel of Jesus is not about going to heaven someday. It's about bringing heaven here. And we get to do it. Many of us are wasting away, idling by because we don't understand that we have a job to do. We have a purpose for here. And it's not just to convince other people to go to heaven someday with us. Friends, how many of you noticed people don't care about the future? They care about right now. The good news is the gospel of the kingdom is right now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. It is now. And we can enter into it by grace, through faith. And I'm grateful to do it with you. To God be the glory. Thank you, friends, for being on this journey with me. We will see you tomorrow.